Did you know that the biggest mistake most women make every single day happens before they even leave the house? That's right. What's that mistake? Not eating breakfast or making sketchy breakfast choices. This unbalances your hormones for the day, the main foundational pillar for having brilliant health. And if your hormones are unbalanced, then you're going to be hangry by lunchtime and you're going to be gaining weight, decreasing energy and unbalancing the foundation of your brilliant health. So that's why I developed the Shine Shake, 17 grams of clean protein with clean caffeine from the Kona coffee bean to power you through your day and make sure that you get a nutritious foundational start to your day to balance out your hormones so that you can have great energy, clarity, and you can be on your way to a healthy weight and healing the foundations of your health. It's the cornerstone of brilliant health. You can get the Shine Shake at KieranDunstonMD.com and enjoy a 20% off your first order. Just check out my website for the details. It's the health problems that are silent and don't cause symptoms until a huge catastrophe occurs that I feel strongly about discussing with you. One out of every two women over the age of 50 will suffer an osteoporosis-related bone fracture in her lifetime. A third of women who suffer a hip fracture will die within a year. Current recommendations for screening for osteoporosis don't start until age 65. The sad truth is that bones don't become fragile overnight. It took decades for them to deteriorate and to be at risk. Find out if you're at risk and what to do naturally to prevent this silent killer in today's episode. Hi, I'm Dr. Kieran Dunstan, and you are listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where we explore integrative, natural, and holistic treatments for root cause resolution of health problems so that you can start to thrive and experience the brilliant health that you deserve. If you've got risk factors for bone loss, it's better to know now rather than later because you can actually do something about reversing osteoporosis and preventing fractures. Today we're talking about bone loss and what you need to know and do to have brilliant bones to support your health. Today, my guest is Margie Bissinger. Margie is a bone whisperer who helps people overcome osteoporosis and create happy bones and happy lives. Margie has a background in physical therapy and integrative health coaching. She authored the Exercise Guide to Osteoporosis, and she created Move Today, a statewide exercise program in New Jersey, and Happy Bones, Happy Life, an online bone and health revitalization program. Margie helps people achieve optimal bone and overall health through whole foods, exercise, mind-body relaxation techniques, and happiness training. She is a member of the New Jersey Interagency Council on Osteoporosis, and she's an ambassador to the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Please help me welcome Margie. Great. So welcome, Margie. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great today. Thank you so much for having me on. So glad to have you. As I was preparing for the podcast, and I was reading through your information in your bio. I was thinking, she's the bone whisperer. 
love that. <laughs> so as I talked about in the intro, osteoporosis is one of those silent diseases that you don't know you have until it's too late and you may end up with a fracture, something like a hip fracture, which a third of women who have a hip fracture actually will not survive past a year after that. So it is a very serious problem. So how did you become interested in osteoporosis? Oh, actually, that's interesting because I, my background is orthopedic physical therapy, and I've been working as a physical therapist for over 30 years. And I guess at around 20 years ago, I was, I was asked by a group of doctors to see their patients who had osteoporosis. Would I be interested in, in seeing them? I was in private practice. And I started seeing these women, and I was absolutely mortified by what I was seeing because people were well-intentioned, and they wanted to improve themselves, but yet they were doing extra exercises that were really, really dangerous. And so they were doing things that actually increased their risk of spinal fractures. And that's when I realized that no one is doing anything here because this was before the internet. And so where did they go to turn? They went to turn to magazines, television, or videos. They just didn't know. So that's when I said, Something has to be done. And so I ended up writing a book, one of the first books, actually, on exercise and osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. I also got involved in the state level. And we have this incredible organization in New Jersey called the New Jersey Interagency Council on Osteoporosis, where we all work together to, to educate people. And also nationally, I got involved as well. So I just felt it was my mission to, because that was scary, upsetting, seeing people getting fractures because they didn't know the right exercise. And not all exercise is equal. And so and then I went on to, to also study nutrition and, um, and happiness. So I added all those components later on. But. So let's get right into it. And we're going to talk the first half of the interview more about the physical aspects of healing bone loss, whether it's osteopenia, which is a little bone loss, and osteoporosis, which is a lot of bone loss. So we're going to talk more about the physical aspects of healing that in the first half. And then in the second half, we're going to get into how stress and lack of happiness affects your bones because a lot of people are really not aware of that. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening and you've got some bone loss, your doctor is not talking to you about that. So we are going to get into that. So when you say they were doing incorrect or improper exercises that could lead to spinal fractures, what were they doing so that if anyone's listening and they're doing it, they can stop right now? Okay, so the biggest problem was anyone with osteoporosis should not be doing forward bending rounding exercises. And that was what they did a study years ago at the Mayo Clinic. And they looked at people doing four types of exercises. They looked at people who were doing rounding, forward bending exercises. They also looked at people doing extension, which is backward, using your back strengthening muscles. And then they looked at the combination. And they also looked at people doing a control group doing no exercise. And what they found were that people who were only doing the rounding exercises, and they looked at fractures over a six-year period of time, and these people had osteoporosis already, and they found 89% fracture rate in people doing the rounding exercises versus 16% when people work just the extension. The combination had 59% and the control group had a 67% fracture rate. So you were better off not doing anything than doing just the rounding. But the reason for that is where spinal fractures occur, and that's a real problem, spinal fractures. It occurs in the front of the vertebrae. So like if people feel their back, that's the back, but the front of the vertebrae. And when you bend forward, you create like a fulcrum force 
on the front. So doing any type of rounding and forward bending. And not to say not to do these exercises, but what, what you do them in moderation. So you do them what's called a neutral spine with your maintaining like your inward curve. So you can learn to do everything. Like I love Pilates, I love yoga, but when, and anyone who knows about osteoporosis will tell people, definitely do that, but you just modify things so you do neutral spine and extension. And the other thing people should avoid is the extreme, so extreme rotation, extreme side bending, and then with, especially with weights, and then forward bending with rotation. That's like a double whammy because you're getting the force from the forward bending, and then you're getting a torque as well from the rotation. So I think... Okay. It's, it's, it's sad because I've seen people that have had, you know, I know a good friend's mother went on a treadmill and it was too low for her. So she was rounding out and she ended up actually jet osteoporosis and she ended up sustaining several spinal fractures just because of that. So, okay. So those are good to know not to do. And then what are some of the proven exercises that will benefit people with osteoporosis? Okay, well, that's the good news. And I think that's the good news in our whole conversation is that there's so much people can do. I mean, that's what's exciting for me because I see people all the time and they're able to increase their bone density by doing all the things that we're going to talk about. So exercise, I think the biggest thing for your buck, and I think the most important is resistance training, so strength training. And the research has shown at least twice a week. And the reason that is because the bones respond to the forces placed upon them. So when you're contracting your muscle against a force, it's saying, hey, we need more bone here. And so I think the resistance training has been shown in the research to be effective. But here's what I see a lot. I see that people aren't doing enough resistance and it has to be safe. So I always say if possible and you want to improve your bones, um, I would see a physical therapist because or someone who's, you know, a trainer who's really had experience with osteoporosis because you want to make sure you're doing things safely in good posture because so often like we talked about the rounding increased fractures, how often, and I'm sure you see this all the time, are people in our society in a rounded posture? You know, you're sitting over the desk slouch, the whole world is sitting all day. The text, <laughs> right. So obviously that's also going to increase your risk of, of fractures if you're in that kind of posture. So I just think if you have the opportunity, I think it's important to do strength training, especially if you have osteoporosis with someone that knows understands exactly what should be done. But strength training is great for the hip, the areas that you really need to focus on are the hips, the spine, the wrist, very important. I see a lot of times people will do, you know, biceps and triceps, and they forget to do the back muscles. So I think it's very important that, you know, you include the back muscles because oftentimes that's what I see is neglected and that's so very important. So resistance training is key. And what they found is someone that's not trained, who's never exercised, would do something like what's called 60% one rep max. But to make that simpler, it would just be enough, like 15, enough weight that they're tired with 15 repetitions. That, that would be like where they should start to really affect the bone. And then someone who is training, we, we use more the 80% one rep max, which would be around 10 repetitions. So by the last one, it's hard to do. You know, it's, it's like they just can make it through the 10. 
They could almost, right. so it's sort of a high intensity. Again, it depends on if someone's, you know, you're going to improve bone if it's more than you're accustomed to. So it's going to be so different and so varied for each person. So resistance training right. is number you know, one. Weight bearing has also been shown, not nearly as, as effective. Like a lot of people think, oh, well, I walk, that's good enough. It really isn't. It's, it's still good. Any exercise is amazing, and I'm a big advocate of any exercise. And walking is certainly good, and it will help because you're getting weight you know, through the bones against gravity. So that's also giving stimulus. But they haven't really found the type of gains that they found with resistance. So I like to tell people to do both. I mean, walking is great and, and, and dancing and you know, all that's good because you're getting weight through the bones. And if you're someone that doesn't have osteoporosis, then jumping is amazing. You know, all these things where we're getting forces on the bones. You know, even, even children, they found that, you know, I think that's the thing. People think of osteoporosis as an older person, as something, oh, I don't need to worry about that. I'm too young. But yet, it's unbelievable because 85 to 90% of our adult skeleton in women is achieved by age 18. And in right. men, 20. And let's talk about that. So if you're listening, you might not be aware that you, you do achieve your maximum bone density by the time you're in your 18 to 20-year-old range, but you start losing it at age 30. Exactly. And if you have risk factors, you're probably losing it faster than everyone else. And the current screening recommendations, let's talk about that. There's really a recommendation to only screen people unless they have risk factors at age 65. But what I find is that most, almost nobody gets screened until they're 65. Well, the horse is already out of the barn by the time you're 65. And if you're headed on that tra trajectory of osteopenia, osteoporosis, it's much harder to rebuild bone than it is to prevent it from being lost. So I'd rather see you get screened earlier and take action earlier. So when I practiced office-based OBGYN, I used to screen people uh, in their 40s, definitely by the time they were 50. And uh, if you're listening, this is something, this is not something you don't want to know about. This is not a good surprise on your 65th birthday because by the time you are osteopenic, meaning your 2.5 standard deviations below normal, meaning you have poor quality bone, you have porous bone, you are at marked increased risk for a fracture and one in for women over 65 has osteoporosis, so high chance that you do have it. And if you have a hip fracture, there's a 33% chance that you will die from that hip fracture in the next year. So this is not a good surprise to have when you're 65. So what we're talking about, and I love, Margie, that you're talking about resistance training, weight bearing. This is what I see, and this is what I have struggled with, with getting women to do weights Yes. Be big weights. <laughs> so what tips do you give women to one, except that they have to use heavy weights and to actually do these exercises? I think, well, I mean, I think in general, I like people to love what they're doing. So if they don't love the weight training, somehow to make it fun. But if not, then whatever else they're doing, absolutely love it. Because I hate the idea of exercise being punishing. Like, oh, 
I have to do this. But I think what I've seen is that when people start using the weights, they feel stronger. They can lift their groceries. They can now take that luggage on the plane and put it up there themselves. They don't have to ask anybody. You know, I, I just think people are so empowered once they start doing the weight training that they really enjoy it. It doesn't take that much time. And as again, some people like to do it in a class setting. I know in New Jersey, we have this program called Project Healthy Bones, which is a free program, and they use weights so people are in a group setting. Um, but I think, I think I, once they feel empowered that it's increasing their strength and how great they're going to feel and how this is going to improve their bones, and so they don't have to worry about it as they age, you know, falling and all the and fractures and there's so many scary things that accompany when people get that diagnosis of osteoporosis and that they won't have to worry about that. So I think it's more of an empowerment with the weight training and that it just becomes non-negotiable. Just like other things in your life, this is what you have to do. And it's I like think, you have to floss. You have to do weights. Exactly. You just have to do weights. And I think they aren't, once, they, once you work with them and they see or can be banned, it can be the machines at the health club, you know, it, it Everyone varies. So you have to say, and, and actually, I have people that absolutely would not exercise at home. So what did I do? I found, they found, we worked on it. We found some good Pilates near where they live. And they worked one-on-one -on -one with an instructor till they felt comfortable with resistance and Pilates. And, they, um, and then they continued with the classes. And they've increased their bone density. And so there's many ways to achieve what you want. So it doesn't have to be exactly, you know, with, with, it can be Pilates with the resistance. It's just some way to use resistance. But the key is that you'll feel great. You really, it really makes such a difference. And right. And I do tell people, you've got to find something that's going to be fun and work for you. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Exactly. And I find that most people are not happy at home pumping weights by themselves. It just is not a very stimulating exercise. But if you get out with other people and you're doing cross training, like I love Orange Theory is my favorite, or in a group fitness class, maybe a sculpting class where you do some um, cardio also, then it becomes fun and it becomes an activity and you do it with your friends and then it does become a positive feedback loop when you do see yourself, your strength increasing because building muscle mass not only helps your bones, but it helps your mood. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and so and your weight, everything. And your weight. So there are a lot of other health benefits. So it's not just about your bones. So let's talk about what are some of the other health activities that people need to undertake to prevent bone loss, rebuild bone. Okay, but I just wanted to make one comment about younger people, you know, as that if you start young and you're jumping and you're, you know, even jumping 20 times a day, you know, 20 jumps a day has been shown to increase bone density. So a younger person can prevent osteoporosis. It's sort of like a bank. You're building, 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 you know, and then if, if you get older as you lose a little bone, but you've built up this big deposit of bone. So mm -hmm. I think it's so important that all these things, you know, if you're listening and you have children, get them jumping, you know, get them to move, get them to do everything. So, so I think in terms of, um, so I think it's very important that people do the strength training. I think the walking. One thing I didn't mention about the walking, they did this huge women's health study with like 61,000. It was a nurse's study for mm -hmm. many, many years. And what they found was people even walking four hours a week had a 44% reduced risk of hip fractures versus someone walking 
one hour or less a week. So it, anything you do is good. You know, I said walking wasn't as powerful, but still it's helping. Balance is also really important because as we age, we lose balance. Like if you don't use it, you lose it. So I think any kind of exercise program, um, any kind of balance, I love, love Tai Chi. But even if you're at home, standing on one foot, going from back to forward, things dancing, anything that you can challenge your balance is going to be really, really helpful. I know they have all sorts of the BOSU at the gym and different things to work on it. But if you don't practice it, you will lose your balance. And then you're going to be much more apt to fall. So little simple things you can do to, to improve your balance as well. And then the other thing is posture. I mean, I'm a big person in really doing some exercises for your posture throughout the day. I'm actually giving a free gift on posture exercises to everybody because I think this is what I see. As we said, if you're sitting around it, right, and not only is it bad for that, but it affects your mood. When you're expanded, you're happier. When you're contracted, you're actually more depressed. It, right, it, and you don't take deep, as deep breaths. And exactly. Your breath to your um, autonomic nervous system function and your mood. and It's so crazy how the posture, and I, I worry about people because they found now in children, their cervical spine is actually different. There's, it, it's changed its mm-hmm. formation because they're already, they're getting like humps actually because of this, they're texting all day and they're surrounded. So I think the posture exercises, you know, all day long to be aware of that is, is so very important. And then I have people doing things, you know, where they're just even going up on their toes and down on their heels. So they're getting forces through their spine throughout the day. So I just think the more you can do, the better, not to overdo, of course, but if you mix in the strength training, the walking, the posture, the balance, you're going to feel like a new person. And I think that's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that uh, really, if you're listening, hear what we're saying. We're not talking about just aerobics. I think when people hear exercise, I find that when I work with women, all they hear or have in their mind is running, aerobics. And if you're not getting all the different components, the flexibility and balance, the strengthening and the aerobics, so for your heart, and the rest of your your cardiovascular system, you're not getting the full spectrum. It's like taking a multivitamin and you're just getting A. (laughs) Good analogy. You're not getting vitamin C, D, and E. All of them, the full spectrum. And that's vital because you may build a certain amount of bone and maybe you just have a little bit of bone loss, osteopenia, but then you don't have the flexibility and balance, so you're more prone to fall. And so if you're more prone to fall, then you're more prone to have a fracture even if you're not in the osteoporotic range. So make sure that you're paying attention to what we're saying and figure out how you can get the balancing and the flexibility. We start losing flexibility in our joints if we're not consciously expanding them on a regular basis. It's kind of like saran wrap is growing around. This is how my yoga teacher described it, and I'll never forget it. Saran wrap starts 
contracting our joints so that we don't have the same range of motion. And then you're more likely when you trip to, to fall and not be able to catch yourself. And you've got to consciously do things to stress those joints so that they open up. So hopefully you're hearing us about the exercise. We're going to talk about some other activities that you can do to rebuild bone or prevent loss. So what are some of those health practices? Okay, well, I guess I think eating is absolutely essential because I also went back when I, when my son had gotten type one diabetes out of the blue, I saw how food totally impacted the way he, he, can, he could manage his condition and a light bulb went off in my head. I think this is the missing link, one of the missing links with osteoporosis. And so I ended up going back to school, becoming a health coach and integrating food and supplements into everything I do. And I think it's critical because if we're deficient in any of our nutrients, in the micronutrients, our bones need they, they need all the vitamins and minerals to be strong. And if we don't have them, if there's anything that's blocking us from getting the nutrition to our bones, we're going to lose bone. So I see this so often. You know, so often people will just go to the doctor and they find out they have osteoporosis and they you know, will put them on a medication, not realizing that they have some digestive issue. So whatever, you know, you, whatever's bothering the rest of your body oftentimes will affect your bones. They're not in isolation. And so I think, I think getting the food and I think absorbing the food is so very important. So I think a good, a good diet, you know, with, with lots of greens and lots of wholesome, healthy food is fantastic. I mean, that's right. And, and a lot of doctors, some doctors will put people on calcium and vitamin D. And I think we've really been conditioned to think that bone loss is only about calcium and vitamin D. And it is, it's not, it's about so much more. And particularly if you're eating, not eating a plant-based diet or a diet full of lots of green leafy vegetables and other vegetables, then you're probably running in the more acidic range with your pH and nothing will leach bone faster than being acidic, right? Well, you know, there's different theories on that in terms of that, but yeah, we want a more alkalizing diet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the other, yeah, we definitely want more greens. Exactly what you said. The other thing that a lot of people don't realize with bone and they've done some research on this is that protein is important. So a lot of people just don't get that much protein as, especially as they get older. And they've really found that it's a very needed component to maintain our bone and increase bone. And that, you know, with sarcopenia, when people start losing their muscle, mm -hmm. they, and a lot of it's they also have a protein deficiency. So the protein is very important, you know, good, healthy protein. But a lot of people today just don't seem to get as much protein as, as or they don't think it's as important. So that is important with the green leafies. But the two vitamins, just what you said is so true. Everybody will come in and oftentimes they're taking too much calcium because they'll be prescribed 1200 milligrams of calcium plus they're getting it in their diet and more is not bad with calcium it's just the opposite you don't want any more because if you're not getting the other constituents it's not it's going to go places we don't want like the kidney you know like it could go into the kidneys it could go into the soft tissues the joints so we don't want that so the two things that i mean there's many you need many it's like a whole orchestra of multinutrients that we need but two that i found are so important that aren't prescribed sometimes there are but i think it's getting better is magnesium which is absolutely essential for calcium to get into the bones and k 
you know, both K1 and K2, but K2 is just recently, just recently some of the doctors are prescribing that, but it's so important for the calcium to get into the bones that we have K2 and, we all, and also to sweep it out of the soft tissue. So I think that, you know, those are two that I think everybody should be on, unless K2, if someone has, if someone's on um, Coumadin or they're on some kind of, um, you know, they need, obviously they should check with their doctor about that if they're on some type of blood thinner, because the K1 can affect, can just be, it can mm-hmm. interfere with the K1. But I think for most people, and most people don't get it, K1 is what you'll get in green leafy vegetables. So most people, if they're eating a lot of green leafy vegetables, will get enough K1. But K2, it's in egg yolks, it's in some meat, it's in some, but most of us don't get enough. So that's where I think a supplement is very helpful and research has been very positive that with osteoporosis that there's been a decrease in bone loss, increased bone density with studies when they've taken K2 supplements. Of, so that's, that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what you're eating on a regular day, your, your daily basis, your macronutrients, your proteins, fats, and carbs are important, your micronutrients, your minerals and vitamins and other nutrients are important. What are some other important factors, maybe tobacco use, alcohol? Hopefully nobody listening to this is still smoking, but if you are, here's another reason you need Yeah, to- oh yes, yeah. smoking significantly reduces your bones. Um, as well as excessive alcohol, more than a few drinks, they found, can, can reduce bone density. Mm-hmm. Um, also, things, what's really a big one that I see a lot is proton pump inhibitors and anything blocking acid. So a lot of people in our society, you have all sorts of GI issues, and that's what's prescribed. So they, they're on the proton pump inhibitors, the Nexium, the Prilosec, all of those, even, even Tums, <laughs> you know, whatever they're on, that's reducing stomach acid. And research has shown they're significantly higher risk for osteoporosis, but we can even take that a step further that everybody needs a lot of stomach acid. We need our stomach to be really acidic, to break down the proteins, to break down the micronutrients so that the nutrition gets into our bones. So it's really interesting because there's a Dr. Jonathan Wright who's in Washington State, and he studied this, and he found that 90% of his patients with osteoporosis, he actually did the Heidelberg test, had reduced stomach acid. So I thought right, and, and, and I just want to highlight what you're talking about. So with our stomach acid, we start losing that at age 32, and by the time we're 70, the majority of us have none, and proton pump inhibitors are actually only improved for short-term use, and yet I, I talked to a woman the other day who's been on them for nine years. So if this is you, you need to listen up because you need to get off that proton pump inhibitor, <laughs> stopping you from digesting your food, which means you're not breaking your food down, which means you're not getting the nutrients out of your food, which means you are nutrient depleted. And it also means that that undigested food is feeding pathogenic bacteria, possibly parasites and other abnormal things you don't want in your gut and causing gut dysfunction, which then unravels the whole yarn ball that we talk about in functional medicine. It unbalances your cortisol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Osteoporosis is not an isolated problem that you happen to get, is is my point. It is because of 
root cause problems that you have in the function of the systems of your body. And so I love that, Margie, you're highlighting this for everyone. And this is one of the biggest uh, problems with mainstream medicine is that drugs are not without side effects, and some of them can be deadly. And proton pump inhibitors contributing to osteoporosis is one of those. So if you're on that, you really need to look at what's causing, and usually people with on PPIs have low stomach acid, not high stomach acid. Exactly. And that's what she mentioned. The Heidelberg test, if you're not familiar with that, is actually a test that measures the acid. You swallow a little capsule, it goes in your stomach, and we measure how much acid you have or don't have. So I, I think that this is important to, to look at what are the long-term side effects of any medication that you're on, and particularly when it comes to osteoporosis. You know, it's, it's so great that you said that, though, because sometimes people will come in, they're so upset, and I say, you know what, look at it as a reset. You came here because of the osteoporosis, where they normally wouldn't take care of all these things in their body. Oh, yeah, I have a little bloating. No big deal. Or, oh, yeah, my hair is falling out a little bit. No big deal. Oh, yeah, a little bit of arthritis. But yet, because of the osteoporosis, they, they took action. And then right. when they get to the root cause, and I've seen... I've seen several times, probably like five people at least, where gluten, you know, they had, gluten was the issue, or, or, it, it, or they had some type, something that they had, you know, that they were sensitive to. So with gluten, it was, it's not, and it wasn't celiac disease. Celiac disease is known. Anyone with, you know, involved with osteoporosis always checks for celiac disease, but that's a very small part of the percent of the population. But non-celiac gluten sensitivity is, is quite common. And so I've had numerous people who went off gluten, and not only two years later is their bone density way up, but all, you know, significantly improved, but also their arthritis went away, their bloating went away, and other symptoms. So it's, it is a whole body thing, and sometimes where you get into the system, but a lot of times I tell people, don't be upset. You're going to do all these great things now that are going to affect not only your bones, but your whole health, you're going to get stronger. I mean, so many aspects will improve. So, right. And that's, that's I, I always say that a health diagnosis is actually a blessing yes. because it's an opportunity to uncover what else is awry in your body that you don't know about. So it's actually a blessing. And I do want to talk about how your mood and other factors tie into osteoporosis. I know in your online program, what's it called? Happy Bones, Happy You or something? Yeah, I, I, have, I have two online programs. So one, the osteoporosis one is Happy Bones, Happy Life. Because I've seen how happiness is so critical. I mean, they've done studies showing life satisfaction and bone density. There's a correlation. Way back when I started as a physical therapist, I had just come out of a bad situation. And I, um, and I was working in Chicago with people with chronic pain. And I saw they were miserable. And they would say, oh, you're so happy. And I thought they only knew what I'd gone through. They really wouldn't have thought I was so happy. But then I realized I sort of was happy, happy, and I realized that happiness is internal. It's not based on your circumstances. And I started teaching them some of the habits that got me through things. And miracles happen. 
chronic back pain, chronic neck pain started improving. And I saw, and that was 30 years ago. So I've seen by teaching people certain happiness habits, it's life-changing and it affects every aspect of their health. Mm -hmm. So in terms of with osteoporosis, not only is there a correlation, so there's a correlation with happiness, but there's also a big correlation with stress. And they've actually done studies showing that the stress hormone cortisol reduces the osteoblasts, which are the bone-building cells. So people come to see me, and they're just so worried. Are they doing the right exercise? Are they eating the right food? Not realizing that the stress is a huge contributing factor. I would say probably 95% of the people I see have high stress levels. So we need to deal with the stress. And then also by teaching happiness habits, that becomes life-changing. So I've, I've seen just such an improvement. And why not enjoy your life? It's, it's when you can. That's the thing. Well, that it I, is kind of what we're here for, right? right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yes, that cortisol connection is huge. I call it queen cortisol. <laughs> and it's key. So when you get a diagnosis of osteoporosis or osteopenia and you're losing bone mass, it's not what drug do I need to take to try to rebuild bone, which the majority of them don't rebuild quality bone and they actually have a a very uh, daunting side effect profile let me say that and uh, so you'd rather not be put on one but you need to look at those root causes that I always talk about the pillar so hormone balance toxicity nutritional deficiency and mental emotional and spiritual balance and the mental emotional spiritual balance has to do with your cortisol and so you've really got to get that cortisol balance, get that autonomic nervous system balance, because if it's not, then you are running acidic, and you are actually, when your cortisol is high, you are cannibalizing your body. You're breaking down all your cells. Your cells are either getting healthier and building up, or they are deteriorating and breaking down. There is no in-between. It's one or the other. And if you're running in a high cortisol state, all the cells in your body are getting that signal, break down, break down. And so that includes your bone. So this is why happiness is so key to healing osteoporosis and osteopenia and preventing bone loss. And it's probably why osteoporosis is increasing in incidence. We don't have the same bone density now that our ancestors did uh, a long time ago. Our bone density on a population level actually has decreased. I know, it's so sad. Yeah. So so this is a serious problem and I know that you can't see it and you see people are walking upright and you think their spine's okay and their bones are okay, but that's actually not true. And the good thing about the stress is you can start really like some people say, ah, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, there's just stress in my life. Well, yes, it's not the stress per se. We all have stress in our lives. It's how we handle it. Two people could be driving a car in the same traffic and one is ready to pull their hair out and scream. <laughs> Cortisol is going crazy. And the other is just taking it in stride. So I found that by just doing simple habits, and I just always start people with breathing before they eat, you know, just simple things to slowly include in your life, it becomes life-changing. It's just so unbelievable. Right. How you would you share a few of those oh, with everybody sure. before we wrap up? We have a few more minutes. Sure. 
share your top three tips that they can take action on today to start calming down that nervous system and cortisol to improve their bone density? Okay, so we'll, okay, so I'll focus on this, the cortisol, sure. Yeah, yeah. So my, my very first tip I tell everyone, because you everybody eats, so before you eat, to take maybe four deep belly breaths. So when you inhale, the belly comes out, and when you exhale, the belly goes in. So it's not the shallow chest breathing, which actually causes more stress. And what that does, it slows you down, it makes you relax, so you relax before you eat, because when people are shoving the food in, the body thinks you're running from the tiger, and it, it, it doesn't absorb. You know, it really shuts down digestion. So breathing before you eat. And you can also even think of when you breathe in, think of bringing in peace and calm and exhaling, exhaling anxiety and stress if you want or whatever's bothering you. So I love breathing. I think that's, that's where I start everybody because they're already eating. So you'll remember to do that. I think in terms of the happiness also, just gratitude, being grateful for what you already have. You know, sometimes we go through the day, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, everything's terrible. So if you focus on the good, if you focus on what is good in your life and give, be grateful for that, you just get more of it in your life. And it just makes people, it really is life-changing. So I would say that's gratitude tip number two. Okay. And I think the third thing is to go through life seeing how something makes you feel. Like use your own internal GPS. So if you're, if you're feeling expanded, that's what you want. You want to choose activities and you want to do things in life that cause expansion and opening. If something makes you feel contracted, you, you want to change that. You want to do some type of reprogram or you want to see maybe, maybe don't do that activity. So you want to sort of look at life like that. What makes me feel expanded and choose that because that's going to be choosing happiness and choosing a different path. So I'd say those are three to start with. I love those. Yes, I'm always talking about gratitude. We're biologically programmed to always look at what's wrong, what's wrong, what do I need to fix? And you've got to use your mental muscle to turn that around and say, no, what's right? You know, that's funny because I do teach, because I love this so much, I actually created a whole happiness course. And you can, you can change your happiness set point. That's what's so amazing because we are wired for negativity. But the more you look at the world and see what's positive and look at the positive and take it in, soak it in. It makes such a difference. And I see that every single day. So it's really exciting. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing those, Margie. And thank you so much for sharing your experience and expertise with us today. The name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. And you certainly exemplify that. And I would love it if you would share with everyone what Her Brilliant Health means to you. To me, Her Brilliant Health means waking up in the morning with energy, vitality, strength, and happiness, and just excited to embrace the day ahead. Wonderful. I love that. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> so thank you so much. We will have a link to your website as well as some information on your online courses that you've discussed in the show notes. And tell everybody what you're excited about coming up next. Oh, I'm just excited about, I think, my happiness course. I've just been, I just sort of started it, um, I guess, last January. And it's just, it, it's ongoing. But I just, like, this Tuesday, we have a meeting. It was once a month, we all meet. And it's just so much fun. For, I've never been so excited and enjoy everybody's presence as much as this class. So I'm very excited about that. And my podcast, I guess. I have a podcast called Happy Bones, Happy Life 
And my goal is to have experts who give insight into what's happening with bone health. So I had someone talk about fluoride, just all those things you talked about before, yes. because it's bigger than me. This is serious and it's not known. So, so experts who have, who are dealing with things with bone issue that maybe the public doesn't know. So that's what, so that just came out. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, great. And we didn't even get to talk about fluoride. So definitely go <laughs> listen to that episode. Yeah, it's really happy great. Bones, happy life. You definitely need to learn about fluoride and why that's a no-no as well. Uh, you need to be filtering it out of your water and uh, not using it in your toothpaste, in my opinion. Yep, you got it. Uh, so again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you that all you're do all that you are doing to help women have brilliant health and live brilliant lives. Oh, and thank you for including me. Thank you for what you're doing. You're doing such a wonderful thing and I love your podcast and your work. So thank you so much. It's been a thank pleasure. You.